I just want to recap. We're finishing Colossians 1. We're in verses 24 through 29, I think. <laughs> Hope I studied the right verses. Um, three weeks ago, I, co- I covered verses 1 through 8. And if you recall in verses Colossians 1, verses 1 through 8, we have an introduction of Paul and Timothy, that this letter to the Colossians was from Paul and from Timothy. And, and Paul and Timothy, they commend the church at Colossae for two things. They commend them for their faith in Jesus Christ. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're to be commended. But he commends them for a second thing, not just their faith in Christ, but he says, and the love that they have for the saints, the love that they have for one another. We have an opportunity to love Jorge and to love Rosa in the work that they're doing there. And so the Lord commends you for your faith in Christ and for the love that we have for one another. You're to be commended when you do that well. And Paul and Timothy remind them also in verses 1 through 8 of the power of the gospel message. If you saw those pictures, there's powerful things happening in that home through their ministry. And that gospel message, it says in verses 1 through 8, is constantly bearing fruit and increasing in all the world. And if you remember from three weeks ago, we talked about how the gospel message is both explosive and expansive. Explosive and expansive. It does great work everywhere it goes all around the world. Amen? And then two weeks ago, Pastor Doug did verses 9 through 14 he, where Paul and Timothy are praying unceasingly that they would be filled with all wisdom, spiritual wisdom and the knowledge of his will. But he clarified that the knowledge of his will is that they understand the whole gospel message of Jesus Christ so that they may please the Lord in all respects and bear fruit in all respects. As we fully understand the gospel message, then we are pleasing to the Lord and we can bear fruit in all that we do when we firmly understand the message of Christ and allow it to penetrate our lives. Pleasing the Lord and bearing fruit for the Lord are only possible because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross, having rescued us from the domain of darkness into his heavenly light. And then last week, Pastor Dave did verses 15 through 23. And Pastor Dave marvelously and brilliantly presented the resume of Jesus. I love that. That we live in a Christ-centered, not a me-centered, but a Christ-centered universe. And therein lies the rub because we want it to be all about us. The wham mentality. What about me? And Dave said it's all about Jesus Christ, that we live in a Christ-centered universe. Only then, when we understand that, will we be presented to the Lord someday as holy and blameless because we allowed ourselves to focus on a Christ-centered person, a Christ-centered world. In our verses for today... Since we live in a Christ-centered world, we learn that the gospel message is also a worldwide message. Jew and Gentile, Americans and Hondurans, Californians and Texans. We also see the importance of the church in our verses for today. A reminder that the church is to be missional. You're on a team. The church is to be missional. Jesus was missional. Paul and Timothy were missional. The disciples or the apostles 
We're missional. The church is, or might I say, should be, because sometimes we forget that we're to be missional. As such, we saw in Jesus Christ and in Paul, and we saw in others, the denial of self for the sake of others. Did we not? Do do we not see that in the person of Christ and in the person of Paul and in the disciples and others, the denial of self for the sake of others? Are we, here's a great quote for us, it should be on the screen, are we, like Christ, like Paul, fostering a willingness to sacrifice to the point of loss our time, our energy, our reputation, our rights, our desires, our status, our comfort, our possessions for the sake of others? Are we fostering that willingness to do that? Consider Matthew chapter 20, verses 26, 27, and 28, where Jesus tells his followers, his disciples, it's not this way amongst you. Don't live like the world lives, but whoever wishes to become great among you, I want to be great, but whoever wishes to be great shall be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just as Jesus, the Son of Man, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many For many, some of us, we just need to find one. Matthew 16, 18 says this. This is the team that you're on, church. Jesus says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overpower it. You are on the best team that you can possibly be on. It'll never lose. Thank you, Lord. Let's read our verses, Colossians chapter 1, verses 24 through 29. Colossians chapter 1, we're going to read our verses, then we're going to pray. I'm going to tell you a story, then we're going to read our verses again. Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 24, Paul says, now I rejoice. Wow, what are you going to rejoice in, Paul? I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh, I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church, in filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Of this church, I was made a minister, which means a servant, which means a slave. Of this church, I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. That is the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations. But this mystery has been manifested to his saints to whom God willed to make known. God willed, he wants us to know what is the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is this among the Gentiles. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's Jew and Gentile. And so therefore we proclaim him globally, admonishing every man, every tribe, tongue, and nation, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom, so that we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose also I labor, I strive, striving according to his power which mightily works within me. Lord, blessed be your word. Let's pray. Almighty God, help us to recognize that we're on a team, that we're on your team, and the gates of hell shall never prevail against your team. Lord, forgive us when we forget that. Forgive us, Lord, when we want to be on a different team, our own team instead of your team. Lord, continue to mold us and shape us through your word. 
so that we may be presented holy and blameless before you, Lord, when the day comes. It's in your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Did you know (laughs) that we are surrounded by radio waves? Woo, it's happening right now. But without a radio, those waves won't do us any good. Those sound waves need a vehicle through which to express themselves. They need something that can contain what is invisibly being distributed all around and make it make sense in terms that our senses can understand. Our five senses can't understand radio waves. We don't pick up that signal. The radio, however, is constructed to catch, to interpret, and to dispense talk shows and news shows and music and sports, etc. The radio serves as the vehicle to which to communicate the invisible. (laughs) So it is with us. So it is with our bodies. Our bodies are designed by God to be the vehicle through which God expresses his program and plan for us and for his own sake and his own purposes. Put another way, our humanity is God's conduit for the purposes of achieving God's goal. I don't know why he chooses to do that, but that's what he chooses to do. Isaiah 6.8, we know this verse, many of us. Isaiah says, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? It's like, oh God, you need help? Yeah. He calls us to help. He calls us to pick up the signals, those invisible signals, right? And Isaiah said, here am I. Send me. Let's reread our verses, church. Starting at verse 24. Paul says, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. How many letters do you start off with saying things like that? I rejoice in my suffering for your sake, and in my flesh I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church, in filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Of this church I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God, bestowed on me for your benefit so that I might fully carry out the preaching of God's word. That is the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but has now been manifested to his saints." to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, not just the Jews, which is Christ in you, the hope of that glory. And so we proclaim him, admonishing every person and teaching every person with all wisdom, the full counsel of God, so that we may present every person complete in the person of Jesus Christ. And for this purpose, I labor and I strive according to his power, which mightily works within me. Verse 24, I'm going to read it again, but I'm going to be clear after I read it what this verse is not saying. Let's read verse 24. He says, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I do my share on behalf of his body, the church, in filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Oh, Christ is lacking? And so Paul has to make up for what Christ is lacking? No, it's not saying that the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross was insufficient. We know that it was perfect in every way, completely sufficient. What Paul, Paul is not speaking of salvation. He's speaking of service. He's not speaking of salvation. The salvation through Christ is complete. It's sufficient. It's perfect. Just as Jesus suffered in order to bring about our salvation, that's done. 
He invites us to join in this suffering in order to bring about our sanctification. You follow? So he invites us to share with him in bringing about our maturity. So our salvation, our sanctification, leading to our glorification when we go to be with the Lord. Paul, he used to cause the church to suffer. If you remember Paul's story, Paul used to cause the church to suffer. He used to kill Christians. And now Paul's willing to suffer for the church. Scripture says that you're either for me or against me, God says. You're either for me or against me. If you're not for him, you're against him. You're causing the church to suffer. Is this not what an authentic conversion looks like? Instead of causing the church to suffer, that we, in turn, are willing to suffer for the church. The church is important to our God. He says the gates of hell will never prevail against it. Let me show you some verses to orchestrate our minds a little bit. And these aren't always popular things for us to uh, think about, but it's our reality, and it should be encouraging. Check this out, Philippians 3.10. He says in Philippians to the church at Philippi, Paul writes, I want to know him, all right? I don't want to just know him and the power of his resurrection, okay, and the fellowship of his sufferings. We're to know him, We're to live in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. We're to do, right? (laughs) There's there's a saying, no pain, no gain. We don't don't put in the hours at work. We don't get a paycheck. We don't exercise. Things happen. Like if you want anything good, you got to put in the time. Why is it any different for the Lord's church? So you can call the suffering the work we have to do to earn a paycheck, the exercise we have to do to stay healthy. The, the, the realities we have to go through in our relationships for the relationships to be productive and healthy. Acts 5, verse 41. So they went on their way from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. Matthew 5, verse 10. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness. If you're suffering because you're trying to help somebody to achieve righteousness, you're helping those in the church to uh, uh, grow in their righteousness, blessed are you. Yours is the kingdom of heaven. Not this fading kingdom here, but an eternal kingdom with our Lord. I love this. One commentary says this. It says, when it came to the care of the church... Paul did not ask, what will I get out of it? Right? He didn't ask that question. Instead, Paul says, how much will God let me put into it? I get it. I get it. I get it. I hear this all the time, and it, I get it. But but it, but it just hurts a little bit, right? So when people say they're church shopping, this is typically what they mean. When people are church shopping, right? Nobody goes to a church saying, what can I give to the church? Most people go looking for a church saying, what can I get? What can I get out of it? Paul didn't do that. Christ didn't do that. Christ said, what can I give? 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 5 says, for just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, here's the good news, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. If you've never experienced the abundant comfort of Christ, oh man, I hope you do someday. It's fantastic. 
because he, he hits us in the, in the place when we put ourselves out there for him and for his team and for his church. He blesses us with an abundant comfort that are too, it's just too hard to put into words. Let's revisit verse 24 and ask ourselves how much of this verse is true of you and is true of me. In verse 24, Paul points to three things in verse 24. He says, I'm suffering for your sake. That's the first one. He says, I do my share on behalf of the church or on behalf of the body. That's the second one. And then he says, I'm filling up what's lacking. Suffering for your sake, I do my share on behalf of the church, and I fill up what's lacking. I'll get, put it this way, these three words. Suffering, participating, and filling. Suffering, participating, and filling. Those are the three words in verse 24. That's what Paul does for the church. Suffering, participating, and filling. Many people here do those three things. I love this church for that reason. We have people that aren't afraid to serve, that aren't afraid to suffer, aren't afraid to participate, aren't afraid to fill what's lacking. Thank you so much. I love this church for that. (laughs) But Paul, not only does Paul do these things, (laughs) look how he starts that verse. I rejoice in those three things. He doesn't say, I reluctantly suffer, participate, and fill. I rejoice that I get to do that. What? I wonder. Wow, 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 I wonder. I wonder (laughs) what is on our list of things that cause me to rejoice. What's on your list of things, right? I got a pad of paper. I was hanging out last night and I wrote, what are the things, what is my list of things that cause me to rejoice? I wonder if anything from verse 24 would have made that list of top 10, top 20, top 30. Suffering, participating, and filling our brothers and sisters in the Lord. Philippians 129. <laughs> I love this. For to you, church, it has been granted. That word granted means a gracious benefit. God has graciously benefited you. For to you, church, it has been graciously benefited, granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, that there's a blessing, a gracious blessing and benefit in doing so. That's when we're most like Christ. Church, (laughs) I challenge us to pray. I challenge us to pray for the privilege and the strength to suffer for the cause of Christ in another person's life. I challenge us to pray for the privilege and the strength to suffer for the cause of Christ in another person's life. The privilege and the strength. Look at verse 29, which we'll get to in a second. For this purpose, I labor and I strive according to what? According to his power. You cannot do this outside of the power of the Almighty God. Suffer for his sake. I'm guessing that Jorge and Rosa have had some suffering. It's just a guess. You got kids? You got a lot of kids? Stuff happens. Right? Yeah. Suffering. 
But he can do it because of the strength of the Almighty God. And he can smile. And the Lord blesses him. Thank you, brother. Let's read verses 25 through 27. Of this church, I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God, which he bestowed on me for your benefit. It's not about Paul. It's about the church. So that I might fully carry out the preaching of God's word. That is the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but has now been manifested to his saints, to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery, also among the Gentiles, not just the Jews, which is Christ in you, the hope or the promise of our glory. As mentioned last week when Pastor Dave covered verses 15 through 23, Jesus is at the center of all creation. We live in a Christ-created, in a Christ-centered universe. Verse 16, which Pastor Dave covered last week, it says that all things have been created through him and for him. Like never before, when, how Dave taught last week's message, it changed my prayer life. It changed how I engaged Jesus. When he gave me Jesus' resume, and I called Pastor Dave this week on Wednesday, I think, and I said, you've changed my prayer life. You've changed my perspective of Jesus. When you gave me his resume so brilliantly and so eloquently, it changed how I engaged, engaged this person. All things have been created through him and for him. And so consequently, verses 25, 26, and 27 27, simply reveal that this mystery, which is mentioned in these verses, is that salvation in Jesus Christ is for both Jew and Gentile, for you and me. It's that simple. See, the church was unknown. It was a mystery in the Old Testament. Because who's the head of the church? Christ. Who's the body? The church. As Christ's body, it could not exist. The church could not exist until Christ came and united us with himself. He's the head. We're the body. And with one another. All the different body parts. That's the mystery. That's all it means. It was just a, something that hadn't been revealed yet. Not mystery spooky, but mystery just not fully revealed. <clears throat> and so what it means is, it also means local churches, and global missionaries. That's what it also means, Jew and Gentile. People like us, people not like us. People in our language, people not with our language. So it's important for us to put our energies and efforts into the local church, into planting other churches, and to supporting global missions. Jew and Gentile, that's the mystery. That Jorge can come here from another country, and he's one of us. And he can interpret for his wife and that we relate to that. Only God can do that, church. As such, it is the preaching of the word of God. These verses tell us that he would fully carry out the preaching of the word of God in verse 25. It's the preaching of the word of God that is our benefit. That word benefit is in verse 25. It's the preaching of the word of God that is our riches. That's in verse 27. It's the preaching of the word of God that is our glory. That word glory, check this out. The word glory is blazing splendor. The word of God, the preaching of the word of God is for our benefit, it's for our riches, and it's for our glory. 
Check out Romans 8.18. Paul writes to the church at Rome. He says this. He says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the blazing splendor that is to be revealed to us. When we understand it, we'll say, that was it? I was worried about that compared to those glorious riches, the blazing splendor of our Lord? It's only when we come to understand and accept that this is indeed a Christ-centered universe that the hunger and commitment to God's word can kick in. Let me say it again. Only when we come to understand, that's why it was put before these verses last week with Pastor Dave, only when we come to understand and accept that this is indeed a Christ-centered universe, that the hunger and commitment to God's word can kick in. Until we realize that, we won't have a hunger because this word is all about the person of Jesus Christ. When we understand that we live in a Christ-centered universe, that'll drive us to Scripture. It must. Verses 24 and 25 talk about this fullness. Let's reread some of this. Verse 24. I rejoice in my suffering for your sake, and in my flesh I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church, in filling up. Right? We're to preach the word, to fill one another up. Look at 25. Of this church I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God, bestowed on me for your benefit so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. <laughs> so what that means is this. <laughs> if you're not full, then you don't have enough Jesus in your life. If you're not full, you don't have enough of Jesus in your life. The church is to preach Christ. The church is to preach Christ so that we are full. What did Jesus say? I came that they may have life and have it to the full or to have it abundantly. I think I mentioned this verse already. I'm going to put it up again. Matthew 16, 18. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overpower it. When the church preaches Christ, then we're on the right team. God will protect us because it changes everything. Here's a quote. Christ is not a regional thing. He is an everywhere thing because he is everything. Right? Christ isn't a regional thing. Christianity is not an American thing. It's not a, it's not a the Bible Belt thing. Christ is not a regional thing. He's an everywhere thing because he's everything. And Paul is saying in these verses that the person of Jesus Christ is for Jew and Gentile, people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Let's read verse 28. Verse 28. We, <laughs> it's kind of cool how Paul toggles back and forth between I and we. Right? I wonder if Timothy is like, dude, why are you doing I in these verses and we in these verses? It's so hilarious to me. We proclaim him. We proclaim him. They don't just preach a bunch of stuff. We proclaim Christ, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. Saints, loved ones, the deepest desire of the elders of this church is to present everyone complete in Christ. Just, that's our desire for you. That's our desire, just like Paul's. We want to proclaim him to present you complete 
in Christ. That's what 28 says. How? How do you do that? It tells us how. We proclaim him. We proclaim him. We can talk to you about a lot of stuff. But the only way you're going to be presented complete to the Lord is when we proclaim him, when we pro- proclaim the person of Jesus Christ. So we proclaim him, Paul and Timothy write. Us elders, us pastors, we proclaim him. But the verse doesn't stop there. <laughs> we also admonish you. And we teach you. That's what it goes on to say. We proclaim him, and we admonish you, and we teach you. Do you know that word admonish? Do you know what it means? It means to warn or to counsel in terms of behavior. Sometimes our behavior goes a little bit sideways, doesn't it? And as a shepherd, as an elder, our responsibility is to say, hey, I want to proclaim him, but we need to admonish at times, to warn or to counsel in terms of behavior, to encourage someone to get on with what they know to do. Scripture says, to him who knows the right thing to do and not to do it, to him it is sin. And he says, we teach you. And to teach doesn't just mean to learn information. To teach means to impart skills or knowledge to instruct. When I gain instruction, I'm learning a skill. Do we engage Scripture? Do we engage church? Do we engage our community groups, our serve teams, with the intent of changing our attitudes and our actions? Or are we checking a box? Isn't that a great question? Are you here? Are you in your community groups? Are you in Scripture? Are you on your knees? Are you in fellowship? With the intent of changing your attitudes and your actions. If not, repent. And tell the Lord you want to do better. I cannot imagine, I cannot imagine the false beliefs that exist in the church. This church, other churches. I can't imagine the false beliefs that we have in the church due to the lack of admonishing every man and teaching every man, either because the leaders have failed to do so or the listeners have failed to do so. I can't imagine the false beliefs that exist in the church. Take any church of any size, and I promise you there's some cattywampus beliefs because either the leaders or the recipients are not being admonished and are not being taught. And that causes us to be incomplete in Christ. I would have a responsibility in that as a shepherd. If indeed every man is presented complete, listen, that's what that verse says. If indeed every one of us is presented complete only through the warning and counseling and teaching and instructing, how is it that we falsely believe that we can function apart from the Word of God? Right? Right? If it's through, right, we proclaim him, admonishing and teaching so that we can present every person complete. If that's true, how do we falsely believe that we can function as a Christian apart from the word of God? Can't be done. I'm telling you it can't be done. If Paul presented, he wants to present them 
complete in Christ. If Paul presented you today, how would that presentation go? <laughs> Wouldn't that be interesting? Who would make that PowerPoint presentation? What would be the information on each slide? Would you make the appointment? God is so good, man. I love getting uncomfortable. It just makes me grow. Last verse, verse 29. For this purpose, I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. Paul understood the role of the church and his role in the church. Paul understood the role of the church and his role in the church. He knew that it was the winning team, and he knew he had to play a part. Paul lived his life according to purpose and according to power. Paul lived his life according to purpose and power. What's your purpose and what's your power for what you do every day? What's your purpose and what's your power? He says, for this purpose. For this purpose, for the church, for others. For this purpose, I labor and I strive according to his power. What a great way to live, to wake up every day and go, man, I know my purpose and I know the power that's going to drive that purpose. Hmm. It's what enabled him to do what he says next. It's what enabled him to labor and to strive. Labor means wearisome toil. That's what it means. Labor means wearisome toil. And striving means it's agonizo, to agonize. Wow. Focused, man. I love it. Seems to describe the person of Jesus Christ, doesn't it? How willingly, how willingly... Do we exert ourselves for the sake of others? That's what Christ did. That's what Paul's doing. That's what Jorge and Rosa are doing. That's what many of you are doing. How willingly are we exerting ourselves for others? Think about your typical week. Think about your typical week. Think about last week. Maybe the week before. Maybe the week before that. Any one of those last three weeks. Think about your typical week, all the labor and striving that you do. What purpose does all of our labor and striving feed if not the cause of Christ? What are you feeding? When Paul says here, for this purpose, I ask you, what is your for this purpose? How would you fill that in? For this purpose, I, boom. Amen?